This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. you from the surface of mercury my name is jason robbins <laughs> uh and my name is derek diamond <laughs> it's a little hot <laughs> yeah i we were talking before we started recording and i i was i was talking with samantha over the weekend and i'm like you know what i we should just move to colorado like we both love denver it's it, it cannot be as hot as it is here it is to the point now where it's like the way it used to be is, yeah, it would be hot during the day, but like early in the mornings or at night after the sun goes down, you would at least feel okay. Now you don't even get that. No, there's no relief from it. There's no reprieve. None. No, and when when I was talking with um, Jen Taylor on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, she was like, I don't know how you guys do it, because she had just come from Tampa from doing a convention, and I'm like, yeah, we... The, the smart ones stay indoors during this time of year. We don't handle it. We just avoid it when we can. Uh, it's so bad. Like, why Why is it like this? I, I'm, I'm thinking Alaska. Alaska sounds good right about Ooh, there. Alaska. The, those wonderful Alaska nights. <laughs> yeah. Sound pretty awful. So how was your uh, weekend? Uh, pretty good. Um, I had to work a, an event on Saturday, but it wasn't like an all-day thing. But the good thing is with with my job is that if I work, say, overtime or over the weekend, then I get comp time. So since Friday is my birthday, I'm going to take essentially the day off, which will be nice. And I got something I got to throw in the mail for you, too. I got you got a package coming. I just I got to get to the to the 
to the uh, post office and get it in there. I will wait with bated breath. <laughs> I think you'll like it. <laughs> I I can't wait. But now, other than that, uh, oh, so I I sent this in our our group chat. But um, Samantha and I went to a a little known restaurant here in Pensacola called McGuire's, mm-hmm. and man, we have not been in over a year. It looks so good. And <laughs> I inhaled my steak. It was so good. I, I would say that McGuire's is probably one of the top 10 best restaurants in the entire United States. I wouldn't argue that. I, it's one of those places, like, if somebody comes here and they're visiting and they can only go to one restaurant, I'd tell them that's, that's where to go. Yep. 100%. But, but uh, how was your week? Uh, hot. Gross. <laughs> um... I did. Uh, I got toy soldiers for the Switch because I needed to move on from uh, from Tears of the Kingdom. So they had a sale uh, on the the uh, the eShop. So I picked up toy soldiers for uh, nine nine ninety nine, I think. And that's okay. uh, if you if you like tower defense, the, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I need to look at the eShop to see what all's out there. Like I I know I want to get uh, Pikmin four. But it'll just be kind of finding the time to play it because I, I've got to, <clears throat> I got to finish up uh, the rough cut of of Steve's movie, mm-hmm. and then I've got another editing project I'm working on. So it's finding that time. That's that's the tough part. But yeah. I, I'll get there. You know, Wally got me back into Loop Hero for a little bit, but I managed. I to, saw that. I managed to break its hold over me by buying toy soldiers. <laughs> Uh, did it have you in a stranglehold? Yeah, it did. As, uh, as Mr. Nugent said back in the day? <laughs> yep, it did. But, <laughs> that's a good game, though, if you never played it Loop is. Hero. It, that, God, it's just such a such an addictive game loop. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it here on the show, and you got me into it. And the first time I played it, next thing I knew, like two and a half hours went by. Yep. But it seemed like I'd been playing the game for like ten minutes. Yeah, I got that. That's pretty much all I've been doing, just trying to beat the heat, man. Dude, it is unreal. It's been over 100 degrees every day for over a month and a half now, and I'm over it. Yeah, when I left Defuniac Springs Saturday afternoon, my car thermometer read 105. That's just stupid. It's it's awful. And I, I, I told Samantha this, too. Normally, October is when we get, like, that real fall weather. I think it's going to be later this mm-hmm. year. Great. I think we're going to get to like, I'll say early November will be when we first get it. I don't think it'll ever be cool again. I think this is just the way it's going to be from now on. It's just going to be like this forever. Yeah. If that happens, Colorado is going to be <laughs> giving me a call. I can't ignore. Yeah. Cause well, that's where the shoreline's going to be from all the ice. That's going to melt on the polar yeah. ice caps. Yeah. Our, our houses are going to be underwater. We're yeah. going to have to, <laughs> we're going to have to do this show from a submarine. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, we got some news to get to. You ready to get to the news this evening? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> If you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this one made me laugh. This one was from nintendolife.com. The Super Mario Brothers live action movie, the original one from back in the day, you know, the bad one, is getting a 4K anniversary screening, but only in Japan. 
Uh, they're celebrating 30 years. Uh, long before Nintendo and Illumination's record-breaking Super Mario Bros. animated movie, movie, there was the infamous live-action film starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, which has since gone on to become a cult hit. I, I, okay, if you say so. <laughs> to celebrate the movie's 30th anniversary on the 15th of September, a 4K theatrical re-release of it will be aired across cinemas in Japan. Uh, and they have a picture of the movie poster. And uh, in Japan, this movie was known as Super Mario Goddess of the Demon Empire. If you're curious to revisit this live-action version yourself to celebrate 30 years, you can always check it out via the digital DVD and Blu-ray release. I don't recommend it. I have always wanted to visit Japan. (laughs) Just to (laughs) see this movie. (laughs) No, like, I'm pretty sure I would be kicked off this podcast if I did that. Yeah, pretty um, much. But but um, I mean, if you're into it, I I think it's it's kind of cool. It, it does have its cult following. Like there are movies that are so bad that they're popular in some circles. And I will say this: I don't hate the title Super Mario Goddess of the Demon Empire. Yeah, that kind of sounds kind of like, cool. This should be the next game. I know, but uh, if if you've never watched it. Consider yourself lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I'll we, just say that. We did a was, commentary track you can go back and listen to. Yeah. So funny enough, uh, I went to my parents' house. We had a um, – my mom's birthday was last week. So we um, you know, had a little get-together at, at my parents' house and everything. And I asked um, one of my um, younger cousins if they had seen the, the Super Mario movie. And he said, I've seen one of them. <laughs> And I'm like, does he know of the other one? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, I've seen the one where, you know, Bowser sings the Peaches song. And I'm like, oh. thank God. <laughs> so, okay, so we're we're good. He He's only like seven years old. So oh, don't subject him to that bad. No, I, I was like, no, I was thankful <laughs> that he had not seen that movie. Poor kid. Let's see. Next up. Uh, also from NintendoLife.com, Red Dead Redemption's estimated file size revealed on the Switch eShop. Rockstar Games will release Red Dead Redemption on the Nintendo Switch next week, and if you're wondering how much space you'll need to download and install this one on your system, read on. According to Nintendo Switch's eShop and website, this new conversion of the Red Dead will require an 11.4 gigabyte download. Uh, this particular version of the game includes not only the base game, but also the Undead Nightmare expansion, which is quite interesting. Yeah, that, I would buy it just for that. But the the physical copy will come out in October. So you've only really got like, what, a, like two months to wait yeah. for the physical release. So I, I think that's what I'm going to do. And plus, I don't want it really taking up that much space on my Switch. Yeah. And the thing is, people are really angry about this, this re-release, because it's not a remaster, and it's not even being put out like on the, the Xbox Series S and X or the PS5. It's coming out for the Switch and the PS4, which, I okay, I'm fine with that. I mean, the Switch is basically the same power as the 360 anyway. So the way I played it originally is the way it's going to play and look now. And is it worth throwing fifty dollars down for? I mean that I love I like the game. I'll throw down fifty dollars for it just to play Undead Nightmare again. I think it's worth it because it includes the Undead Nightmare expansion. 
you get the original and the the Nightmare expansion, I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get so. it. Uh, let's see. From Destructoid.com, Sega launches Fast Friends Forever campaign to celebrate Sonic community. Uh, every Everybody's favorite Blue Hedgehog has been having a few good years, thanks to the success of the films and the excitement surrounding the upcoming upcoming Sonic Superstars game. I can't talk tonight. Sega recently launched a campaign called Fast Friends Forever to celebrate the millions of fans. Uh, The campaign has kicked off with a promotional video as well as the launch of a a website where fans can expect updates. Fast Friends Forever will last all year long with a variety of events and activations. Um, Let's see. Fast Friends currently promotes a few Sonic-related events. Uh, announces the opening of the official Sonic-themed restaurant in San Diego on August 20th, and you, where you can enjoy Sonic's classic chili dogs, knuckle sandwiches, blue blur slushies, and uh, golden rings, and more. Um, you can do uh, you can hear beautiful orchestral recreations of Sonic soundtracks um, done by the. Uh, Let's see. Oh, the Sonic Symphony Tour. Uh, you can hear about the Sonic Symphony Tour, which will kick off on September 16th in London before heading to several cities, including Los Angeles, Boston, Paris, and more. Um, as part of the campaign, a series of Fast Friend Forever digital comics are planned, and they've been created by fans from around the world. And the first one titled Live Without Regrets is already available, created by Ian Jones Quarty. The comic features Tales and Sonic, and it tells a story about never giving up. So if you're a Sonic fan, there's a lot of stuff here uh, in the, the Fast Friends community. I find it kind of ironic that a, a story called Fast Friends Forever is coming from a website called Destructoid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the the anti-Fast uh, Friends Forever. Yeah. But no, this this is really cool. You know, I, I think it's... It's something that I think has been needed and maybe the because the, the Sonic community can be a little divisive, especially when it comes to the more recent games. Yeah. So hopefully this will be something that can bring the community together. Yeah. And I, I will say this. I looked at the the tour dates for the Sonic Symphony. Mm-hmm. It does come to Atlanta at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. How much are tickets, though? I was afraid to look, but um uh, <laughs> It's I think December twenty ninth. So if they're if they're within my budget, I'll see if I can uh, talk the misses into going because that'd be really cool. I've seen YouTube videos of the the symphony and it looks really cool. You know, they did the same thing with Zelda yeah. for its twenty fifth anniversary. They have the game playing behind the orchestra mm-hmm. as they're playing the music, which is which is awesome. And you know, I'm I'm excited for Sonic Superstars too because. Mm-hmm. You know, the like Sonic Mania was fun, but we haven't got a new 2D Sonic game. Because Sonic Mania had a lot of remastered zones with a few new ones. This is an all new game. So it's like the the new Super Mario Brothers treatment for Sonic. So I'm really excited about that. And I wish I could go to that. Uh, Sonic restaurant. (laughs) It made made me laugh when I read Knuckle Sandwiches. I want a Knuckle. I want to know what's on a Knuckle Sandwich. I do too. Uh, I'm sure the golden rings are just onion rings. Is it squirrel knuckles? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I'll accept the cookies, I guess. Uh, From, let's, what is this website? YLE? Yeah, YLE.fi. I tried to to link from, uh, um, what was it? Uh, 
Forbes, but they wanted me to pay, so I found it on something else. From so from YLE, uh, Rovio shareholders agree to Sega buyout offer. Uh, let's see, this was reported August tenth. The sale of the Finnish mobile gaming from firm Rovio to the Japanese company Sega looks set to go ahead. They announced on Thursday morning that shareholders holding 96.3% of its stock have accepted Sega's offer. This surpasses Sega's minimum requirement, which stipulated that shareholders holding at least 90% of shares had to agree on the deal. It announced its intention to buy the company in April this year. The deal is linked to the gaming giant's interest in developing its own mobile games market. When initially reported, the bid was worth roughly 706 million euros. Uh, is Israeli gaming company Playtika also announced their intention to purchase Rovio, but their 683 million proposed buyout did not convince them. Uh, it's particularly known for the Angry Birds franchise, so they do have mm-hmm. some note in the gaming world. But I remember us talking about this when uh, when it first broke. So you know, good good for Sega. I think it'll. I think it only helps them. It can't hurt yeah. to try I, and venture out into the mobile market. I think. Sega, or Sega really wants to get into the mobile gaming market because I think I think Sonic could thrive there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So I, I mean, you never know. I mean, Sega, you know, <clears throat> they're not going to get back into the console market again anytime soon. But I think they could do really well in the cell phone market, like developing apps and games, things like that. And it's a market that Nintendo's not tapped into. 100% correct. So I think it's, they don't have really anything to lose by doing this. And I, I'm with you. I think a Sonic mobile game could thrive. Yep. Uh, and this last one is from nichegamer.com. Former Sega director says Michael Jackson's songs never made it into Sonic 3. In an interview with Retro Gamer shared by Nintendo Everything, former developer Roger Hector claims music legend Michael Jackson's music never made it into, the, into Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Um, let's see, he, uh, he's, he revealed that Michael Jackson did compose the entire soundtrack, but his music never actually made it. Uh, in, a direct quote, in a direct quote, I get this call from one of Michael Jackson's people telling me Sonic was Michael's favorite game in... Could he come to Sega and meet the people who made it? He came in after hours. I gave him a tour and introduced him to the creators of the Sonic games, and he was thrilled. You could see he was a total Sonic fan. He was really, really excited. So one of our guys says, why don't you write the music for the next Sonic? And he says, okay. Everyone's jaw dropped. I'm thinking, how are we going to work this out? But basically, he did write the entire score for Sonic 3. I had a CD of it. It was all in the game, and we're just a few weeks away from delivering the final code so it can be produced for Christmas that year. And then the story started appearing in the papers about Michael and, you know, him being the bad guy with kids. Everyone panicked. I mean, we all, I mean, we had kept it a secret because it was going to be this huge surprise announcement that Michael was doing the score, and then, boom, this thing comes out about him. Sega of Japan made the decision to take his music out, I had a composer on my staff who'd done a bunch of video game music in the past called Howard Drawson. I told him he had to replace the audio for Sonic 3, basically 16 weeks worth of work in a week and a half. I said we'd slide food under his door, but he couldn't leave the office, and he did it. He was an amazing guy and has gone on to do a lot of movie music 
in Hollywood, but he got his break at, as STI as a last-minute replacement for Michael Jackson. Yeah, this story, this has been like a gaming myth yeah. ever since before this game came out, because I don't know if you remember, but when Sonic Origins came out last year, uh, some of the music was removed yep. from, um, I believe it was um, Carnival Night Zone, Ice Cap, and Launch Base. Those tracks were replaced by tracks that were used in the prototype mm. of the game, and the creator of Sonic came out and said, oh, well, they removed Michael Jackson's music, which then was like the confirmation that he had made music for the game. Yeah. But then this contradicts it. Mm -hmm. So I asked the question, <laughs> why were those tracks removed then? I guarantee you they still used some of that music, or at least it was the inspiration for some of that music. Because, I mean, writing an entire soundtrack in a week and a half is quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I... It's an interesting story, and I say that because it's like it's been going on now for 30 years. One person says that he wrote the music, another person that's involved says he didn't. And the truth is probably I, I, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I'm thinking that they still use some of the music that he wrote for those <clears throat> those zones yeah. and they had to be removed because of legality issues. Yeah, maybe they put but it I, like But I don't really understand what what you know he's saying in this mm. in this article because you know Michael Jackson, yeah, he's one of those few acts that transcends music. Yeah. But we forget that he was in a lot of controversial stuff back then. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the, the Michael Jackson estate might be sniffing around too at Sega mm -hmm. and he has to come out and be like, Hey, uh, he didn't have any music on Sonic three. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting though. Like it's, like I said, it's one of those like mythical gaming stories yeah. from back. Because I remember even hearing about this back then that mm -hmm. he allegedly wrote some of the music. Then story came out and said he didn't have anything to do with it. And somebody's like, oh, he wrote the whole thing. Yeah. So it's like, who who do you believe? Who knows? Like I said, it's probably more somewhere in the middle. I, I think so, too. But, uh, but now uh, it is time for This Month in Video Game History. In August of 1985, Atari Games releases Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as the first System 1 game to feature digitized speech from the 1984 movie. Gameplay involves Andy freeing children from cages, whipping thug, thuggy guards and, uh, and bats, an exciting minecart chase, a temple scene, and a drawbridge scene. Did you ever play this in the arcade? I did not. I know of it, but... Never, never got the chance to play it. I played it. I, I don't think it was playing, in an arcade around here. I, remember, I think I remember playing it a little bit, but I don't really have any like memories that stuck about it. I've seen gameplay of it, and I, I think I've played it, but I don't really remember if I did or not, or if I just have like, you know, because I remember playing Indiana Jones for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and things like that. But I don't know if I ever played this in the arcade. But I do remember it being in the arcade, though. It's interesting because I, I was thinking about this the other day. I would love a like a really good Indiana Jones game. 
they made that really good one for the original Xbox. It was uh, Indiana Jones and the, and the Emperor's Tomb. I don't know mm-hmm. why they don't make more like that because it's basically just Uncharted. Is <laughs> all it is. Just reskin an Uncharted game as Indiana Jones. Yeah, and it's funny because when I played Uncharted, I was thinking this feels like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. That game was August... great. Maybe they should do a remaster of that. Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with that. I never got a chance to play it, but I heard nothing but good things. It was awesome. August 29th of 1989, NEC's PC Engine releases in North America as a little-known system called the TurboGrafx-16. Still wish I would have bought one back in the day. I don't know why, but I always think of the TurboGrafx-16 coming out in, like, like around the time of the NES. Like, 85. Maybe 86. No, I just, I remember going to, uh, playing, you remember you could, you could go to, um, Toys R Us back in the early nineties and they would have the video game section and you could Mm -hmm. play the consoles on the TV. I used to go in there and play bonk all the time on the turbo graphics. I always wanted to buy one, but I just never did. It's just one of those things like, you know how you associate certain consoles with certain time frames. Mm-hmm. Like when I think of the Genesis and the Super Nintendo, I think early 90s. But for some reason, I associate every every console before <laughs> that as like 82 to 85. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shows my ignorance, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. August 5th of 1995, Nintendo releases the critically acclaimed Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island for the Super Nintendo in Japan. Uh, I Still, never really played this one all that much. You should. It is one of, I think, still one of the most underappreciated Mario games and one of the more underappreciated Super Nintendo games. Yeah. Because you look at it and, like, if you're Nintendo, how do you top Super Mario World? It's, it's like a perfect Mario platformer. Yeah. So you feature a popular character that was introduced to Super Mario World and you add a new playing dynamic to it with yeah. the with the egg tossing and having to carry baby Mario. <laughs> I, it's I, really, I, really fun. I, I love Super Mario World. I've gameplay of it and I, I think that baby Mario crying will get on my nerves oh, after a while. Oh, no. it. But the thing <laughs> is, though, it'll motivate you to never get hit because <laughs> you will not want to hear it. You hear it one time and you're like, okay, never again. Yep. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
And finally, August 17th of 2000, THQ releases WWF Royal Rumble for the Dreamcast in North America. I need to review a wrestling game. It has been a while since I've reviewed one. I I remember briefly playing this for the Dreamcast, but I didn't get into it like I did, you know, No Mercy or WCW Nitro or WrestleMania 2000 back in the day. Yeah. I didn't really play too many uh, wrestling games. Um, back in the day, I mean, I had WrestleMania for the NES. For the NES, but that was about it. Something I've been doing just to to kind of have in the background uh, whenever I work, because I I pretty much sit at my own desk, and I don't necessarily have my own office, but I have my own decent sized workspace. Yeah, and I've started re- rewatching to a degree WCW shows mm-hmm. from like when the NWO started up until I'll probably go up to 99. Cause it was dog poo after that. But I'm like, man, I missed that time. Like yeah. I would have loved to have been the age I am now around that time. Cause I would have gone to so many shows. Yeah. Our, our mutual friend with the, uh, the, uh, the complex way of, of seeing things, yeah. um, has a lot of old wrestling shows like back the, uh, the UWF, back when, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, like the Junkyard Dog and, um, you know, Ted DiBiase before he was the Million Dollar Man. And uh, I love watching those. Like, those are so cool to go back and watch. Such a different time. I, yeah. I love the old, like, NWA stuff, too, with, like, Ric Flair, Ricky mm-hmm. Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes. So, so good. Yeah. I miss those days. <laughs> I do, too. But, uh, but that brings too. us to the end of this month of video game history. And before we go into the review tonight, Derek, would you like to do our Patreon shout-out? Absolutely. As always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out our newest patron, James, a.k.a. Jimbo Jr. on Discord, Travis Martin, Raven, Danny House, Justin Nispel, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. B. Res Coffee himself, Mike Eveland, Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. Rampage, Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, and of course, Mama Diamond herself, Donna Diamond. Mama Diamond. Uh, as I mentioned, who uh, who celebrated her birthday this past Friday, so happy belated birthday. Happy birthday, uh, Mama Diamond. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to be a part of our Patreon community, for as little as a dollar a month, you get your own RSS feed, which includes ad-free shows of the podcast, and you get early access to our amazing commentary tracks, like Batman 89, like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Clue, animated series like Gargoyles, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, Real Ghostbusters, We've done so many commentary tracks, and I, I, I we talked about for this month, I think we're going to do something a little different. Yeah. We're going to do a spoiler cast on Tears of the Kingdom. So if you haven't finished it, you have about a week. <laughs> you have about a yeah. week to finish it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not easy to do that because there's so much to do in that game. But the main thing I think we're going to be talking about is the main story, Yeah, which um, I've, I've got some opinions on. <laughs> not, not all... I won't spoil it, but anyway. Um, and yeah, for is, uh, for $3 a month, you get to vote in our polls that we post, whether it be for games that we review or a top five list. 
So if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, send us your social media info, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey, Derek, have you heard the news? What news? We officially have our very own line of coffee at brezcoffeeco.com. That's right. Nerd Cave Retro now has its very own medium roast coffee. If you want to try it yourself, or even some of the other awesome flavors like Wizard's Potion, which is a butterscotch, caramel, and hazelnut flavored roast. Or the Dragon's Breath Roast, which is a cinnamon dolce flavored roast. They have tons of different flavors, and you can also just get a regular Colombian roast and add any flavor to it that you want. They even keep their seasonal roasts all year round. If you need that boost to get you through those all-night gaming sessions, then head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the promo code NCR for 10% off your order. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... Konami got such smooth sound out of the Game Boy like that. They're wizards. If you notice, I mean, Konami's always had some of the best music, but man, coming out of the usually Game Boy music is like kind of ear splitting. But (laughs) (laughs) this was like, oh, this is kind of nice. I like this. Yes, and funny enough, I had never played this game before until. I started playing it for this review. And uh, the game that I'm going to be talking about is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan, which was released in North America August of 1990 uh, and published by Konami. Of course, based on the popular 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles television series. We've gotten into Turtles ad nauseum, like its popularity mm-hmm. around that time. And like it, pretty much everything... Entertainment-wise, the Turtles had their hands in. Movies, animated series, toys, video games, you name it, chances are there was something associated with the Ninja Turtles. And we've talked about several of the games, which, you know, we've pretty much have glowing things to say about. But somehow, I never played any of the Game Boy games, which is a little surprising to think about, because... I was obsessed with the Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. And you had a like, Game Boy. <laughs> and I had a Game Boy that I played quite a bit, but for some for some unknown reason, I never played Fall of the Foot Clan. And I was excited when they put this uh, on the Kawabunga collection because I figured, okay, now I'll finally get a chance to play it. And this is, uh, I also want to throw this out there too. This is the first uh, installment of the three-way tie from the, the Patreon <laughs> poll. So I figure with the, the new movie out and everything, why not talk about Ninja Turtles? So when I dove into this game, you know, I I was expecting kind of your typical Ninja Turtles game because a lot of them, they follow the same formula. You play as one of the Turtles, you have to rescue April O'Neil, you fight Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, maybe Baxter Stockman, and some other cast of characters. Well, this is absolutely no different. The story is literally Shredder kidnaps April O'Neil again, so you have to 
you have to find her and you have to go through, you know, New York City, the well, sewers. Now that's different. <laughs> I know, right? It's like people complain about Mario doing that, but somehow the turtles get they away get, with it. Yeah, they Even though it's the same thing. Get away with it. Every game is the same plot. It, it is, but for some reason, we keep playing it. And I think it's just because we love the character so much. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know of anybody that straight up dislikes the Ninja Turtles. I'm sure there are some weirdos out there that do. I, but I, I would be afraid of what I would do if I met one in person. <laughs> They're like, you know what? I can't stand those Ninja Turtles. And I, I'd, I'd probably throw a chair across the room or something. I would so like, that, how do you not like I would just be like that gif of that guy that's like, <laughs> like, wait, did you really just say that? But uh, anyway, so if you want to check out Follow the Foot Clan it, and you're a Turtles fan, it follows the same formula. But funny enough, I was kind of expecting it to play more like like a Turtles in Time or like the arcade game. Mm-hmm. But it's really more like the original NES game. Yeah. Because, you you know, you get to choose whatever turtle you want to play as and if you die that turtle gets captured so then you have to pick another one but you can rescue them so there there are there are many games that you can find throughout each of the stages and you can you know refill your lost health or if you have a captured turtle say if like you start out as michelangelo and he gets captured then you get the chance to rescue him and add him back to your party which i really like so this really, it quickly became apparent to me that this was like a simplified version of the original Ninja Turtles game, and well, without the damn level. The way it, so I'll throw that out there. It looks to me as like it it plays like the first game, but it's the character models from the arcade game, mm-hmm. uh, part two. So it's got that, you know, they look a little little closer to what you expect than the first actual Nintendo game. But I don't know. How did it play? Did it play like the first game, or was it a little more manageable? It was a little more manageable. Like, it wasn't perfect. Like, it doesn't play as smooth as the arcade game or Turtles in Time. But I I would say it plays slightly better than the original NES game. And what's funny is, like, I didn't dislike the graphics from this game. But the sequels look immensely better to me like with better backgrounds better character models and whatnot it kind of reminds me of um you know how super mario brothers had that really blocky kind of pixelated look but then the models looked a lot smoother in two and three yeah that's that's what this game looked like compared to its sequels which were also um released on the game boy um there are only I believe 5 stages so it's not a it's not a yeah there's 5 stages so you start out um in the sewers and you go up to the New York City streets then you go to a factory a convoy mountain caverns and of course you end up in the technodrome but what's I don't know why they did this cuz it made zero sense to me you can start from any stage you want you don't have to start from stage 1 but to get the full ending, you have to start from stage one and play through the whole game. Okay. But I'm like, why would you put that option there anyway? 
Like I'm not gonna start in the Technodrome. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious like what happens if you do that? I because I, I just started from stage one. And I'm like, do you just play through the Technodrome and the, the game's over? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, because it's not like you know <clears throat> where you you ha- it's where it's sort of like uh, Mega Man. Where you can pretty much mm-hmm. go wherever, where, whatever level you want to start with, and you defeat that boss. But then, once you defeat all the bosses, then you can go on to the final boss stages. This isn't set up like that. This is just sort of like, you know, you and could go to level five, but like you said, that's where the Technodrome is. Maybe that's how it is because I I didn't even bother to look. Like I didn't know that you could choose whatever stage you wanted until like I was reading up on the game because I just jumped right into stage one. Hmm. So maybe, maybe it is like that where you can start at stage four and then go back to one. But then you, you have to play the technodrome last because story-wise it uh, wouldn't, okay. it wouldn't make any sense yeah. to do that. But, um, Oh, and what's cool about the game too, is that the controls are completely customizable. Now, granted the game boy only had two buttons, mm-hmm but you can choose what you want as your jump button and your attack, which I think is kind of cool. See, that's something that would have saved a lot of games back in the day because there were a lot of games that came out with sort of a backwards control scheme because Super Mario set the standard. B is to sort of, if you hold B down, it makes you run faster. A is to jump. And then B is to use a weapon, like tap B to hit, use a weapon. That's the standard of how a game should have been on the NES. But sometimes they would play with that and, and put it backwards. And it would totally just, it was like, this is not how it's supposed to be. If you could have went in and just remapped those buttons, it would have saved a lot of games back then. No, I think so too. And it would always throw me off when Nintendo would do that or whatever company would make you know, game A that would have a completely different setup where it's like, oh, B is jump. Yeah. But no, wait, A was jump in this other game. Nobody wants B but, to be the jump button. Nobody. No, A is jump, B is run and attack. Like, that's that's how it should be. So I I really appreciate it because you bring up that that very point. I appreciate that they make the controls whatever you want them to be. Hmm. So like if that. you if you prefer the opposite way of what we were describing, you can do that with this game. And uh, I did want to throw out there, you mentioned the the music. A lot of the Game Boy's music, even some of the Mario games, I will say that it, the music's kind of hard to listen to. Yeah. Because I, you know, I can remember you know, sitting in my parents' car playing the Game Boy, and I would have my my little headphones, and even through that it would almost hurt my ears. So like, I would just usually play with the sound off, but this music was, was pretty pleasant to listen to. Like, do I think it's up there with, with turtles in time or the arcade game, as far as the soundtrack goes? No. Cause there's not really like a memorable track to it, but it's still not bad. Like it, I would put the Ninja Turtles franchise up there as one of the better, like consistent, good quality music across yeah. every game. Okay, like we've we've said it a hundred times here. Like Konami was known for being able to get good music 
out of the NES and the Game Boy because they actually put sound chips in the actual um, game carts as well. That's how they could get so much good music because you had two different sound chips, one on the NES and one in the game cartridge itself. So they were able to get way more, um, I guess, tracks, you'd say, out of the 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 sound uh, that, that they could, could get out of these games. So that's why Konami was just head and shoulders above everybody else that could get music out of that machine. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely Even right. Even better than Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo had some great yeah. music. Don't get me wrong, but Konami games were just like, they were like almost orchestral, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I like that that detail because music's something that I really get into when I'm playing a game because I think it, much like a movie, it can make or break whatever environment you're in at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting also is the the cover art. I don't know if you ever read any of the Ninja Turtles comic books, not like the original 1984 ones, but there were uh, comics done by Archie mm. in the um, early 90s and late 80s. Yeah. And the the cover art for the game is inspired by that. And yesterday I was at the mall and uh, we have this store called Box Lunch, which sells like a lot of pop culture type stuff. Well, with the new movie out, they have a few Ninja Turtles things. And they had the cover for a comic book that I used to read called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Early Years, where it's the Ninja Turtles before they're teenagers. So like mm-hmm. they're kids, yeah. but they, they're they still trained, like not as good, obviously, but they're still trained in martial arts. And when I saw that art style, it like unlocked a flood of memories hmm. for me because I remember reading those books religiously as a kid. So this is one of those things that even if the game's not as good as ones that I grew up with, there's just something about a Ninja Turtles game that makes me happy. Yeah. It takes me back to a simpler time. You know, this is one of my favorite fandoms of all time. So I would say it's not the worst Ninja Turtles game that I've played, but it's not the best simply because I didn't grow up with it, and the way I look at it is it's a simplified version of those games that I mentioned, but it's not a bad thing. You think of the limitations of the Game Boy at the time, and for a Game Boy game, it's pretty good, honestly. Like, it stretches its limits. I won't say stretches its limits graphic-wise, because I think the sequels look better, but music-wise, it definitely, to me rips open the envelope instead of pushing the envelope for yeah. the for the Game Boy soundtrack. And it, it does a decent job of capturing that universe. Like you can tell it's definitely based on the cartoon down to the intro and the cutscenes are inspired by the cartoon. So a lot of people like the darker turtles, but you got to admit the most popular incarnation is the 1987 cartoon. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the Cowabunga collection, why not just play it? You know, at least try it out yeah. for a bit. And it's definitely like even just just the box art itself. Just that's that alone is worth getting this and put, have it in a collection. Yeah, this would be cool to just have like as a display thing. Yeah, because it it, it looks like a comic book cover. And the turtles just make for great video game 
settings, you know, like everything about mm-hmm. the turtles from the turtles themselves to their enemies to, you know, the foot clan, like it's all makes just for great, a great video game, no matter what it is. Now I know people don't like that first NES game, but I am here to defend that game. That game is better than people give it credit for. I think the only reason people hate that game so much is because of the damn level and it came so early in the game, and I'm like, that should have been at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that was probably one of their their bigger mistakes. But yeah. if you like the if you like the turtles, check this game out. Like if you're a turtles fan, I assume that you at least are planning on getting the Cowabunga collection at some point. There's a lot of great games on it. And the, this is one that I think you should definitely try. Are there better ones on that collection? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to lose any sleep or you're not going to think it's a waste of time if you if you play this game. So I, I would recommend it. But I, I would give it... I don't. I think seven might be a little too high. I, I'll give it. I'll give it a six and a half. Yeah, that's that but, seems to be about right for a you know a Game Boy game. Yeah, it's a as a Turtles game. It's I'd say middle of the pack. As a Game Boy game, I think it's one of the better games that I've played, and I'm excited to to check out the sequels at some point. Yeah, I want to play some more Ninja Turtles, so I need to. Play some more Ninja Turtles. <laughs> One of these. I'm gonna think I might stream some of the first game here soon. You should, because I love that game. I still need to to defeat it again. I haven't defeated it since I was like, you know, 15 or something. So it's been a while. Gotten close, just haven't. Yeah. Done it. Yeah. Just don't uh, don't have me on the stream with you this time, because <laughs> I think I was the harbinger of bad luck for yeah. you. Yeah. No. Well, it's just that stupid room, <laughs> man. That room is awful. Yeah. The death room. The, the room of death. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, next week, I figure, what's a good summer summer game I could play? Because it's so freaking hot outside. And you know, I could not believe I have not reviewed this game yet. But Hudson's Adventure Island, I'm going to review next week. One of probably the top, in the top ten of best NES games I would throw out there. Because this... Yeah, I love it's one of the first games I ever played, probably one of the first handful of games I ever played for the NES and next week I'm going to review it. I'll break out my Hawaiian shirt for it. It's so I mean, you got to love Master Higgins cuz he's, he's Oh, absolutely. He's a little dude in a, you know, the grass skirt and hucks tomahawks at, at people and rides skateboards. I haven't played a ton of it, but it is fun, and I do like it. So I'm excited to to hear your take on it. And it's difficult though, too, and not yeah. It's not like throw your you know put your hand through the TV difficult, but it's pretty freaking hard. It's Nintendo hard. Yeah, but that that's not always a bad thing though. But uh, but that's gonna bring us to the end of the episode, so Derek. What is going on over at the Derek Diamond Experience? So today I dropped episode 370, which is crazy to think. So 30 30 (laughs) episodes away from the big 400. That's a lot Uh, of episodes. That is a lot of episodes. God, I would, I'd hate to come up with the amount of time that I've come (laughs) up with for two in that show. And well, any of the podcasts that I've done, but I don't regret any of it. Um, So this week I chat with a writer director based out of, Funny enough, we were talking about Colorado um, earlier. 
uh, is based out of Denver. He's actually also a film professor at the University of Colorado. His name's David Lieban. His uh, latest feature film called Publisher Parish drops on Amazon this Friday. And Steve and I briefly met him at the uh, Spotlight International Film Festival in Jacksonville, where that movie won Best Feature Film at the cool. festival. So uh, we have a fun chat uh, just about you know filmmaking in general. So uh, if you're into that, head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast or um, you know, everything's there, social media, YouTube, uh, podcast subscriptions. And if you could, and I know we talk about it for this show too, but please rate and review the show, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. The more ratings and reviews the shows get, the more visible that they are to people who are searching for, like in this case, video game podcasts, or in my show's case, entertainment podcast. It really does help, and it only takes a minute and doesn't cost you a single cent. Yeah, it takes less than a minute. Go uh, go give both of these shows uh, a, a good little review. And sometimes, like Spotify, all it is is just go tap stars. Just go tap yep. the stars for us, and that, that'll, that'll help us out. Um, as far as the open micers goes... The Open Micers podcast at Open Micers on uh, Twitter and or whatever it's called X these days and Instagram. Um, last week we had on comedian Zach Reinert, which we had a really good conversation with him. Um, the week before that was uh, let's see, we had Austin Church and Ben Compton both on the show, and man, we have had so many good guests on the last couple of uh, months. Really, go check the show out if you haven't already. It's at Open Micers or just go to openmikers.com. And I think that's going to just about do it for this week. What do you say? Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. If you want to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Nerdcaveretro.com takes you to our link tree, and that includes our Discord. You can hit that little Discord button, and then you go straight to our uh, Discord and make yourself at home right over there in our little community. And uh, it, a lot of people joining up and we hang out and we talk about video games and all kind of stuff so why are you not in there already also you can go and use that to go to our facebook twitter instagram patreon and of course our merch shop which you can get to ncrmerch.com we got all kind of stuff we got t-shirts hats stickers magnets mugs whatever your nerdy heart desires follow us on social media at nerdcave retro at jfontastic and at Derek underscore diamond and that's going to do it for this week. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Cowabunga. Yeah. Wise man say, <laughs> forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. I couldn't find the button. <laughs> this podcast is a Zoo House LLC production. 
So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.